This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. Today, while getting ready to record, I saw a story that Lee Mendelssohn Film Productions has dropped claims against Dollywood for unauthorized use of Christmas Time is Here from A Charlie Brown Christmas. Evidently, the theme park had been using the song in a show during the Christmas season without permission since 2007. And Mendelssohn's production company, which made A Charlie Brown Christmas, sued in 2018. Considering how Dolly Parton and Vince Guaraldi's Christmas Time is Here have been a big part of 12 songs so far, the headline hit me like mom and dad fighting. And I'm so glad the lawsuit's over. Today, I'm returning to one of my favorite interviews from last fall. At the time, I talked to Jamie Hilston about his punk rock EPs by his Christmas band, The Murderers, as in gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The conversation got into so many areas that interested me, including what has to happen to make a Christmas song work as a Christmas song and what makes punk punk. Hilston's also a traveler who has lived extended stays in foreign countries, so he has some angle on how Christmas music plays in other cultures. Also, Hilston comes from a religious background, and that affects his relationship to the music of Christmas. All in all, he's in a position to chew on a lot of the most interesting parts of Christmas music, and it's really clear that he's thought seriously about many of these questions. His answers are well-considered, and when he's wrestling with a question for the first time, he's clearly doing so from a strong ethical and intellectual position. Last Christmas season, I ran an excerpt of this interview. Today, I'm going to feature it at full length because it definitely merits the time. Before we get to that, I want to turn my attention to a modern Christmas classic, Nick Lowe's 2013 album, Quality Street. I talked a little with Eddie Angel of Los Straitjackets about Lowe and the album in 2018 because Los Straitjackets have done Christmas tours with Lowe and served as his backing band. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. But that's not the only time Lowe and Quality Street have been referred to on 12 Songs. A number of artists found Lowe's ability to stay true to himself as an artist while singing Christmas songs confirmed that it was possible. Lowe's basher days in the 1970s as house producer for Stiff Records and the artist behind Pure Pop for Now People and Labor of Lust established him as a clever, cheeky artist with the ability to invest enough heart, craft, or wit in a funny song to keep it from being simply a joke. Later in his career, he's let the melancholy that comes with age further tent songs that seem superficial. And if there's a genre as a whole that seems superficial, it's Christmas music. His version of Roger Miller's Old Toy Trains sounds less like a lullaby for a child than a farewell to childhood. And his rockabilly take on Children Go Where I Send Thee is the version you assume Johnny Cash must have cut at some point in his life. When he visits the classics, he cuts a Tex-Mex danceable version of Silent Night that would have made sense for the Sir Douglas Quintet or the Mavericks. He doesn't do them as a joke, but as a way to situate the song in an unexpected context that interests him. It's hard to single out a song from Quality Street because unlike a lot of Christmas releases, it works as an album. Still, Christmas at the airport probably gets the most attention on the album because the song smartly starts at a place that undercuts Christmas music's tendency towards sentimentality, then finds musical and emotional life once those parameters are established. The song takes unexpected compositional turns 
And once Lowe sets up the sad circumstance, he fills it with unexpected lyrical details that keep the song unpredictable until the end. We'll hear Christmas at the Airport from Quality Street, then come back on the other side with Jamie Hilston of The Murderers on 12 Songs. Outside the taxi window On the way to catch my flight I notice snowflakes playing In the ever-failing light When he dropped me at departures It was really coming down Deep and crisp and even It settled on the ground It looks like Christmas Christmas at the airport. So to start, what's the story behind Murderer's Slay Christmas? Murderer's Slay Christmas uh, is a punk Christmas album. And I don't know really much what to say about it. The story that we're going with is that we are a band from the North Pole. (laughs) Uh, We are former members of three different prominent uh, underground uh, North Pole scene bands, the Dead Kringles, um, Prancid, and Slayer, spelled with S-L-E-I-G-H-E-R. And uh, we put together a punk record to uh, to put to tape our culture, our our uh, our long held underground punk North Pole culture. Excellent. Ah ah ah. How long did it come up with that story? Oh, uh, man, it's, you know, it kind of came together pretty naturally, I got to say. So, ah. so you, how did you, you had the idea, uh, was this your idea of doing this? Yeah. Um, or is yeah. this you and friends had this idea or? Well, it was, I was on a tour last year. I live in Poland right now. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and last year, I was on a, on a tour in Poland, kind of like this review, um, you know, a whole bunch of kind of pretty well-known Polish singers. And I was just the guitarist in that tour and it was a Christmas tour. So every artist would come up and sing one or two songs and I was in the backing band. And uh, we were doing Oh Holy Night. And for some reason it came to my mind that the song could be done punk. And if you just switch the six, eight to four, four, but if you do it fast, you can kind of, you can kind of pull it off. And then I made a quick demo of it and I loved it so much that I just tried another one. I think the next one I did was God rest you Merry gentlemen. And I liked that too. And then it just kept rolling, kept making demo after demo. Then I finally took it to musician friends and then we actually played it in the studio. What, what challenges did you, what challenge happens to the song or what was the challenge of turning a holy night from six, eight to four, four? Um, the problem was in that particular song is that the verse worked in that time signature and then the chorus didn't work. And then I had to think of a solution for that. And the solution, the solution that came to me was to speed up the chorus twice as fast. And then suddenly it did fit in and then it did sound like kind of a legit punk song. Right. And in general, that's the big challenge is to make the song still sound like Christmas songs, but also sound like legit punk songs that it doesn't sound like forced. Like I want these songs to sound like they could have been written by a punk band. Right. 
when you were doing this project, were you doing it with affection toward Christmas music or is this way of, a way of taking the piss out of Christmas? No, very much with affection for Christmas. Um, I, I'm Canadian. I have a really complicated story. I'm Canadian. I was born there. I moved to Israel when I was four years old. And I actually grew up on a street called Bethlehem Road in Jerusalem. That It's called Bethlehem Road because if you follow it about four or five miles, you will actually reach Bethlehem. So I, but I grew up as a Canadian in Israel. Well, Christmas wasn't really part of society in Israel, but Christmas was part of my home. And it was by far my favorite time of the year. I would feel this Christmas spirit. I love the music. My mom is a musician, so we grew up on, the, on good stuff. And I just, I love Christmas. I love Christmas music. So I, I, I'm not taking the piss. Okay. What was your relationship to Christmas music growing up, especially in, I mean, because you, I would imagine that for the most part, I mean, you would hear music before you were four, but I also, if you're like me, there's not much I remember from before I was yeah. four. So most yeah. of any music I, I remember, I remember from older than that. So Yeah, but we had, but we did listen to it after I was four. After we moved to Israel, we still celebrated Christmas. And my mom, I think she had a few Christmas albums, but she had one cassette that she recorded off the radio. Uh, in Toronto, uh, KFRB 1010, something like that. And every year they have a great Christmas show. And she just recorded it once. And we would hear that every year. And in retrospect, I think it was, you know, the best renditions of most of these songs, the good Andy Williams and Sinatra versions. And I would just hear it every single year and I would just love it. Now, what's your relationship to Christmas songs by like Andy Williams and Perry Como? Well, I like that. The Perry Como, I never really wasn't part of our family, but Andy Williams, Sinatra, um, Dean Martin. You know, I am a, I am a little tired of it to be <laughs> honest. Like I, it, it's wonderful. I wouldn't, I would never knock it, but the, I guess there's only so many times you get to a certain age and you don't want to hear the same versions of it. So I guess I am trying to like kind of re enjoy the songs that's a great making my own versions yeah that's a, that's a cool approach to it part of the reason i ask is like i think about you know in my case when i went in you know i love those songs and then when I in the teenage years mm -hmm. those songs represented mom and dad's culture and represented like old traditional show business and sort of everything that you know, for me, sort of 70s and 80s era punk sort of confronted. Mm -hmm. And so there was a point where that was just sort of old music yeah. and it was dad's yeah, music. And I mean, it took and it took time for me to find my to sort of find a, a new relationship with it. And of course, and now I, 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 you know, I love those songs just fine. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder if you kind of went through a period where that was yeah. where, you know, what's that tired old people shit? Yeah, well, you know, I really like I spent, you know, from age four until about 17, 18 in Israel. So, all those times, I only had these songs at home and it, I didn't hear it at the mall. I didn't hear them on commercials. I only heard them out of our stereo. So, they never had that kind of, kind of gross uh, commercial. 
uh, connotation for me. So I guess it was never really a problem. But I will say that when I did move to Canada at 17, I worked at a mall, and that's when I <laughs> dated Christmas. <laughs> and it was uh, it, like, uh, you know, in Canada, you know, Thanksgiving is in October. So they start playing Christmas music after uh, Halloween. <laughs> so November 1st. So two months of that. And yeah, it really, I, so to be honest, yeah, Christmas music did kind of die for me for a few years, but I don't live in Canada anymore. So I, uh, so I don't get too much of it. to Christmas music like in Poland? Um, well, they have totally different songs. They only share one song. Uh, they share uh, Silent Night. And that's because that's a German song. Right. So every other song of ours, they do not have. And every song of theirs, we do not have. And they have great songs. So that's actually been pretty cool. Like I spend a lot of, I, I live half in Poland, half in Israel. I, I went back to Israel. And, um, and when I do spend Christmas in Poland, it's very cool because I actually had to learn. I'm the only person who plays an instrument in my wife's side of the family, or at least the only one who actively plays still. So I had to learn how to play all the Polish songs, and they're great. Oh, how interesting. Mm -hmm. Do I run into this when I hear music, uh, Christmas music from other cultures. Mm -hmm. And there are times where I can hear some of the signifiers that tell us it's a Christmas mm -hmm. song. Totally. But but yeah. in others, I really don't. Like, I find mm -hmm. as much as I like uh, Latin Christmas music, uh -huh. at the same time, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, it yeah. just sounds like music. I don't hear I, yeah. don't, I don't hear the signifiers. Can you hear, like, which of our uh, sort of signifiers or tropes do, uh -huh. uh, does, does Polish music borrow to be able to tell us this is, mm -hmm. you know, this is Christmas? I don't know exactly what the terms are for... Uh, for the, I don't know, the modes or, or anything like that, but there are some sounds that I recognize. So take green sleeves. There are Polish songs that sound like green sleeves. I guess they use the similar, the similar chord progressions. And also they have that minor sixth and major sixth uh, interchangeability. So there's that particular one. And then there's a couple other, uh, what do you call them? A couple other motifs. Like da, 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 da. they have a melody that's almost like that, but it's not that. Uh -huh. Angels we have heard on high. Sure. Like you are, you're sure they're singing that song. So they're definitely the cultures are borrowing from each other, but totally taking it in other directions. But there's for sure a sound to Christmas that is kind of cross Northern Europe, I guess. Do do you find like the is are there places where you can where you can hear White Christmas? Does, oh, is, for sure. Uh, I would say, I would say the mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some songs I, they probably know the, uh, the more, um, yeah, what do you call it? Vaudeville or whatever it is. The more, 
Rat Pack sure. style Christmas stuff. They would know that more than than the English hymns. Sure, that and, makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's I think that's one of the things that's one of the reasons I'm so fascinated by this is that idea that there's this body of music that not only does everyone it's, it Christmas music might be the only music that everybody in America still knows, but not only mm-hmm. that, but people around the world, White Christmas. Mm-hmm. White Christmas totally. travels. White Christ- White- Christmas, everybody knows for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so one thing I was thinking about as you were talking there was, you know, and in some ways, just sort of how sort of you know musical your approach to punk is. I was wondering what punk means to you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a hard question. Because in a sense, it's it's just a genre of music, but it's a. But what is, what makes punk? How to describe? The one thing that I would say is the, the most important part of punk is just dissonance and, and imperfection, and especially in the singing, it can't be perfect. It can't be perfectly in tune. Um, how to get the right amount of, you know, of out of tuneness without going overboard. I don't know. No, I got to think about this question. I might be thinking about the last interview, so I'm only thinking about ah, this. Ah, ah, sure. I guess punk to me just means fun and forget about anything else it's it's playing it as fast because it's fun to play it that way playing loud because it's fun to play it that way it feels the best it gets everybody into it it's people singing along but i don't know it's hard to describe punk yeah it's really hard to that's that's okay that's kind of what i was interested Mm -hmm. in is i think about that on what that for me, say you know I was sort of late seventies era punk, mm-hmm. and and partly because it didn't exist before that moment, mm-hmm. that it sort of existed immediately, sort of as a confrontation to the culture, both mainstream mm-hmm. culture, mainstream musical culture, as well as just sort of the culture at large, and so, you know, it was for a space mm-hmm. of about four years, just this sort of living, breathing, spitting middle finger to the rest of the world. Yeah. And, but I realize by the difference in our ages, there's a good chance that you have never known a a world that did not have punk music in it. You may not have always known it, but it was always Mm -hmm. there. And so I wonder how that difference affects, affects the way, you know, punk, punk occurs to you. Does it occur to you as a music Or as an idea, or as an attitude, uh, or which, or how? Well, I remember when I first discovered punk music, and it's like a lot of people my age. It was just with, it was when Green Day came out. Because I, growing up in Israel, we got a lot of Seattle music. And I hear all the time about how Kurt Cobain was reacting to, uh, to glam rock. And this kind of like overly theatrical, and I don't know if, I don't know what it was, but he, he didn't like uh, glam rock. And also, I don't like glam, glam rock, and I do love Nirvana. But 
listening to Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and, and Soundgarden and Smashing Pumpkins for about three, four years, there's only so much of that heaviness that you can take. And then when Green Day came along into that scene, then my ears did perk up. And I said, oh, here's a band that's having fun. Here's a band that is not serious. It's not trying to be deep. It's not really trying anything, it feels like. And as soon as I heard that, I slowly started only listening to, to, punk, to punk music because it was so much more escapist than grunge. Grunge was so like, let's get into our thoughts and our despair. And there's only so much of that you can take. And punk is just making fun of everything and just everything is light. And I don't know how that relates to Christmas, but I think it does. Like that there's, when you bring punk rock to Christmas, it does just like take it out of that serious place. And it can help you remember that it is fun. song like carol of the bells which is mm -hmm. just it screams serious yeah how did it, you go about making that and also and also it seems like a, a musical challenge as, as someone who oh, doesn't play an instrument so yeah, yeah. tell me about trying to translate that into uh yeah. punk well one thing that helped for sure in making that one not too serious is that it has some really funny lyrics it's it's got uh, Ding dongy dong, that is their song. And, when I and I was experimenting with it and trying to scream those lyrics, and it was funny. It was funny to scream yeah. ding dongy dong. So that already was a, a place to start where it felt like that this can be funny. And that's important. All the songs to me had to be a little bit funny. Um, and as far as the musical side of it, yeah, it's in it's three four, so it's hard to play punk rock in three four, but in metal, there is a lot of three four that is kind of double that one, two, three, one, two, three. So I don't know. I, as soon as I, I thought of that idea of making it that beat, um, the rest was just, you know, trying, where do you build tension? Where do you release the tension? And how can we put in a little joke here and there, a little metal riff that's funny? about this and you sort of break down how you how you made these songs work mm -hmm. it sounds obviously like there's a ways at which you're sort of thinking about what musically happens mm -hmm. in punk and i wonder if going through this process made you sort of more conscious of some of the tropes and habits and sort of devices that punk bands use or fall back on 
Totally. So I'll give you one example. So Christmas music, especially the modern Christmas music, is very much based on shuffles and swings. So it's it's a march actually. Right? One two three four six. One two three four six. But punk has a lot of singing triplets on a four four like one two three one two three ta 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 ta. So a lot of singing triplets on a four four beat. So actually, a good a better example is sleigh ride. So how does sleigh ride go in the original? Actually, that one's straight, but still, that one I took and I put, I made it in fast, in double time, and sang triplets on it. So that was a, a way that I used a lot. Is when they, when the Christmas song uses a shuffly uh, uh, swing, then I'll do the triplets. So and it's not always the one for one trade, but that was one of those tropes that I realized. Wow, punk! So many punk melodies are the same thing. Like da 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 da. Mm-hmm. So, what does it mean to you to hear Christmas music translated into the music you love? What is it to hear it? I, um, yeah, I don't know if I know. Maybe, maybe ask that again. I'm not really sure. Well, if I know what you mean. I'll tell you where I'm coming from with that. Whenever I hear hear Christmas music in metal, for instance. Metal is mm-hmm. sort of the biggest example because to me, metal speaks a language. I mean, it's the language of arenas and kind of the language of power. Yep. Neither of which seem to me to capture this kind of the intimacy that I think of as kind of being at the center of a lot of Christmas music and the, and, and, and the Christmas mm-hmm. spirit. you know, mm-hmm. And so... And so when I hear that, I'm always like, yeah, you can do that, but I'm not sure that something meaningful wasn't lost. But I yeah. also realize that for metal fans, there's a good chance they make whatever translations or mental adjustments yeah. and that they can hear the intimacy that I don't hear because everything comes through a Marshall mm-hmm. and comes at full, <laughs> at full volume and mm-hmm. full Cookie Monster vocal. And so they may make that change. And I hear like EDM Christmas music. And on one hand, it's like, I'm not sure I entirely get it though. Mm -hmm. It's though it works. Yeah. And, but I realize that for someone who's that's their music, there's a good chance. There's something meaningful in there in hearing their music, hearing Christmas music come at them their way. Sure. And so I wonder, as somebody who's sort of, you know, whose home music is punk, what mm-hmm. that means, you know, or sort of talk about what it means, like, you know, how or how important it is to hear yeah. Christmas music in your, in, in the style you care about. I got to be honest, and I don't think I listened to a lot of punk uh, Christmas before this. I actually didn't ever feel the need to hear it until I went looking for it and there were some examples that I really liked, but overall, like it just wasn't exactly how I heard it. Like, I guess with this kind of, with, with some 
jokiness, but also taking it seriously. Like, like, like you said before, like there's a lot of taking a piss out of Christmas and I don't like that. So there are actually very few examples of punk that, uh, that I felt kept what was important to me about the songs. So now doing it, this is what I tried to do and I get a whole lot of satisfaction of actually doing it. Hearing it, that's a different issue. Yeah. But, but making it, it's huge joy and pleasure. Just curious, why didn't you respond to, because I have my own theories, but so I'm just curious where you mm -hmm. are. Why didn't you respond to Christmas song, punk Christmas songs that were taking the piss out of Christmas? Um, well, one of the things is that I think the part that I, one of the parts about Christmas music that I love so much is the, is the harmony, the chords. Uh, and the, there is a complexity to, to a lot of Christmas songs. And I thought that they always just, okay, let's pretend that the song only has three chords. And then for me, well, we lost it. There's a lot more chords in this song. And that's kind of, those are the things that tug on me. Right. Those interesting changes. So I try to keep as much of that as possible. There are people, of course, that do it. And there are also simpler punk songs that translate better into punk. But I didn't like so much when they were like, when they simplified it too much, ah. when they took out all the, all those great chords. Yeah. I think that's why I didn't respond. Okay. Yeah, I, I can tell you, in my case also, I always thought that it was too easy. That mm -hmm. making that, you know, Christmas is, you know, part of part of Christmas is you buy in. Uh, mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to not. And so right. similarly, if you want to make fun of it, mm -hmm. that's easy. You know, uh, and so... Yes. I would rather, you know, if you could do it with some craft, do it with some, you know, do it with some some intelligence, I could be there. It's not that you mm -hmm. can't make, you know, you can you can make fun of everything. But it usually but I usually just sort of found them dumb and easy. Yeah. And yeah, uh it's super easy. Yeah. And much the same mm -hmm. way, dumb punk isn't very interesting either. Um yeah. dumb anything isn't very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess I do like sincerity. Yeah. I want to hear sincerity. I at least want to hear creativity. I want to hear someone thinking mm -hmm. through. If you want to, if you want mm -hmm. to take a rip, take a rip, but yeah, yeah. make it make it yeah. a good one. Some stuff they really think it through. I heard recently, uh, My Chemical Romance. All I want for Christmas is you. You listen to that; it's very funny. Yeah, it's very. They they make some very just silly musical choices, but you still hear like it's they're an emo band and they're singing with a lot of emotion, but they're also joking at the same time. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm fascinated by now. This this year, I've res, I've got like three more covers of that song, and that song is now mm -hmm. the one that everybody is covering. Which uh, yeah, uh, yeah, there's there's a new one I haven't heard yet, but uh, but uh, August Burns Red just came out with one. So oh, cool! Check that out. Yeah. So you so you started playing punk in in uh, Jerusalem. Um, I I started listening to punk. There, there was this one, I went to an international school and there was this one girl who was from Salt Lake City who went to my school. And she showed me Lagwagon and No Effects. And I was like, that's interesting. It's a little fast for my taste because I was still like, like dipping my toe in punk with Green Day and Weezer actually. They're not punk, but it was that world. Yeah. And, uh, but then as soon as I got to Canada, I went to Warp Tour there. And, <laughs> but also like I discovered a whole bunch of underground bands 
that, and I just uh, went all in. That was about age 17, 18. Right. Now, I'm not sure we talked about this. What, what did your family go to Jerusalem? Yeah, my dad was a, like a church leader. Okay. Like he, there was a friend of his in Canada that was doing some work on, some, on a kibbutz in Israel, and he was friends with like the ministry of, of, uh, of religion. And he said to him, hey, come start a church in Jerusalem. We need like an international church. So he called my dad and said, you want to go do this? And they said, yeah. And they, they started this English-speaking church that's still around there. Okay. It's been around for 30 years. Now, mm-hmm. yeah. when you started, when you thought of doing Christmas music and doing a punk version mm-hmm. of Christmas music, is it, did you have any misgivings? about taking these songs that were expressions of Christian faith and putting them in a punk format. I was more worried about putting Christmas in punk than putting (laughs) punk on Christmas. Much more worried about that. Did you, did you think, what what, what was the, what, I guess, was was there a thought process at all? Or was, were there, was there a question about what you could and couldn't, how you could or could not express your faith. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that it, I didn't think about it too much because I did it first. Like I did the, I, I was just having fun with it for a long time. So I didn't really have to think about whether it worked or if it wasn't, it just felt like it was working the whole time. So I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it, but there also is, I mean, the thought did cross my mind of like, this should not work. And I feel like it is working and it really shouldn't. And I had to think about why it is like, why singing these songs? Cause Christian punk is usually not good. Like that's, yeah, there's a lot of Christian punk out there and, and some of it's great. And some of it's really not good. And the stuff that's not good is the stuff that's heavy handed. The stuff that is, um, I don't know, dogmatic or just and boring. Uh, stuff that we've all heard, stuff you like hear in Sunday school or something. Suddenly a punk band is singing it. That's not, that doesn't work. Right. But uh, Christmas songs have a few things about them. First of all, that they are, that they are not about dogma. They're mostly about story. So stories and punk, you know, folk, uh, that tradition goes together. Storytelling. There's a, you know, a kid who's too poor to buy a gift but he doesn't know how to play a drum. So he's going to go see this kid. And he's like, is it okay if I just play my drum for you? If I, because I don't have a, I don't have any money, that kind of stuff that works with punk. But also, but even when it does get a little bit dogmatic, like, Oh, Holy Night starts out very picturesque, like, Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Very picturesque. But by the time you get to the third verse, it is kind of dogmatic, but the dogma there is still pretty punk rock, especially in the last four years. Uh, of Christians supporting Trump, you hear, surely he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all all oppression shall cease. That kind of stuff feels good to me. Uh, uh, Some punk. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel there's any uh, contradiction there.
talking about um, about one of the great sort of one of the and one of the first punk Christmas songs, if not the first, which was mm-hmm. uh, the Dickies' uh, "Silent Night." Yeah, tell me about your relationship to that song. Well, yeah, I didn't just I didn't grow up or anything. When I was starting to, it was just over a year ago that I started uh, trying this whole thing around Christmas last year, uh, and I was curious what else was out there because I had heard some. And when I found the Dickies version, I I was also trying to do Old Holy Night and I couldn't find what's the hook, what's the kind of joke I can play with this song to make it, you know, to reinterpret it and make it worth doing again. And I couldn't figure what it was also because it was in three, four, six, eight, and I didn't know how to do it. And the Dickies, they, they found the hook, they dropped the one and they play it in 4-4, four, four, but if you drop the one, then you're left with three beats. So they could sing a 3-4 song in 4-4. Four, four. And they also just did it with complete uh, believability, and they played from the heart. There's a great bass line. This, this Paul McCartney, I saw her standing there, kind of bass line that's driving the whole song. And it just sounds like a real punk song. And so when I heard that, I was like, I think I can't do the song unless I think of something else. But I can't think of anything else to add to it. They they nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so so you passed on Silent Night? I did. I did. I'm still trying. I'm still trying for next year, but <laughs> but I don't know. So if I ever do it, it might just I might just have to write this is a Dickies cover. Right, right. Like they did it. <laughs> Are there songs that you couldn't that you decided you couldn't do, or are there songs you tried and you just couldn't figure out how to get around? Yeah, let me let me check real quick. I have the whole list in front of me. Well, yeah, the songs that are more of a challenge are songs that don't have very much going on musically to begin with. You can't do jingle bells. It's just one chord, one chord, and then to the four, and back to the one, back to the five. It's not interesting to begin with. Right. Uh, a song like that, I can't, I can't bring myself to to do like, um, what is it? Like things like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and what do you call it? Frosty the Snowman. Those ones that really don't have much interesting about them also lyrically they're not painting a very interesting picture like all uh, there's some songs that are silly but they're also but they're funny like sleigh ride is not like it's not deep or anything but it is funny and it is telling a story um yeah yeah suddenly some farmer farmer gray shows up and <laughs> passing around the coffee like those are is any song that is funny and interesting to begin with those ones i like doing but the ones that are just you know, kind of throwaways like Jingle Bells. I, I'll try, I'll, I'll still try, but so far, nothing. Right, right. 
Thanks to Jamie Hilston for the time and the talk. I found this conversation really interesting, and I'm glad we got time to do it. You can find The Murderers Slay Christmas and The Murderers Slay Some More on Bandcamp, and I'll put a link to their page in the show notes. As usual, thanks to AF the Naysayer for the theme music, and thanks to you for listening. If this is your first time with us on 12 Songs, I hope you'll go back and check out some recent episodes, including ones with Cheap Trick, Polyphonic Spree, George Winston, and filmmaker Larry Weinstein, who made the 2017 documentary Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, follow, or do whatever you have to do to get 12 songs in your podcast feed. We're in most places you get your podcasts, and if you're an Apple person, please leave a five-star review. All these things make the algorithm work for us. We'll wrap up today with one more classic from Nick Lowe and Quality Street. I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day by Roy Wood and Wizard, dueled Slade's Merry Christmas, Everybody, for the top spot on the charts at Christmas in 1973 in England. And those songs have been as big and ubiquitous as Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You. Cheap Trick performed a version of I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day on their Christmas Christmas album, and so did Lowe on Quality Street. One day, we'll have to spend more time on that song, but for now, let's finish with Nick Lowe's version of I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. Talk to you next week. The snowman brings the snow He might just like to know He put a great big smile On somebody's face When you jump into your bed Pull the covers right over your head But don't you lock the doors, you know Santa Claus is on his way Hey, hey Start singing and the band begins to play Oh yes I